0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. their Bible with them. Who's got a Bible? Get your uh, get your Bible out. Turn with me to the book of Romans. And I'm going to preach. We're looking at um, a topic today that is pretty, um, is sort of almost controversial in church because uh, there's lots of people that have differing, uh, views or mindsets on on what I'm gonna, on, on what i 'm going to share tonight, um, but I believe that it 's a powerful if we can grasp um, what it is that that I believe is in the essence of god 's word surrounding this topic I believe it'll it 'll change, it'll change your life and uh, i 'm going to take it from uh, romans and i 'm going to read a few. A few verses. Let's just do Romans 7 verse 13. What was happening, Paul has been talking prior to to these verses I'm going to read. Paul has been talking about the topic of grace and the law, which is an interesting topic because in church, especially more recently in the past, you know, five to ten years, the church at large has really stepped into, I believe, some incredible revelations in regard to what um, God's grace really is. The problem is that you have some different views in regard to the law and in regard to grace. When I'm talking about the law, I'm talking about instructions, guidelines that the Lord gives us through His Word. Predominantly Old Testament on how we are meant to live, the law is when when Paul is talking about the law in romans he 's talking about the Ten Commandments that were given by God to Moses, so people have differing views you have on one side you have the people who um, are about the law and uh, and they believe in the principles and in the guidelines and living. Um, Those guidelines out, they take those guidelines as instructions from heaven for our life on how we're meant to live. Those people look at the people that are big on grace and they say that the grace people are lawless, that they live... Um, with no guidelines that it's greasy grace where you can do whatever it is that you want to do and it's all under the blood. But then the greasy grace people are looking at the people over here who are walking in the law and the greasy grace people call these people religious and legalistic and you have this battle going back and forth in the church and it's very confusing for people because we sometimes find ourselves unsure of where we're meant to stand and what we're meant to Walk it, and I want to show you some things today that I believe, if you can catch this, is one of, and I'm telling you, it has been for me as I've been looking at it, is one of the most empowering things in your walk with God is when you have a new understanding or a revelation of what God has called us to in this. And in Romans seven, verse thirteen, Paul is talking about this. He says, has then what is good, which means the law, which he's talking about the law when he says that. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. Let me explain what he's talking about right there. Paul is talking about the law. And when he refers to the law, he says that the law is actually good. And we've got to be reminded of that. Sometimes when we preach grace, we preach grace in such a way that looks at the law and attacks the law and says, that's old school. You don't have to do those things anymore. The the guidelines written in the Word of God don't matter anymore. It's all under grace. I want to tell you that's a wrong doctrine. The law is actually good. There are guidelines that God has given us that actually protect and guard our life. When God gave the guidelines to Moses through those Ten Commandments, the purpose for God doing that was to separate, to separate God's people from everybody else. His heart was that God's people would be distinguished, set apart from everybody else. In fact, in Ezra chapter 10, verse 11, now therefore make confession to the Lord of your fathers and do his will, separate yourselves. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the pagan wives. This is what he's talking about. So it's understanding that the law is actually, the law is good. But what Paul is talking about, Paul has said, What then is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me. Now, let me explain this and I want you to stay with me. What he's saying is he's saying the problem was not the law. The law was good. The problem was what the law was causing me to do. Paul said, the more I looked at the law, the more I tried to live the law out in my own strength. Paul says the law wasn't sin, but it became sin when I took the law on myself and tried to do it in my own strength. Let me tell you what sin is. Sin is separation from God. So when you try and do something in your own strength, you are separating yourself from the God who wants to empower you to do it. Therefore, you actually start to walk in sin when you are walking in a works mindset. Does that make sense? This is what Paul is saying. He's saying the law is not the problem. It's not that the law was bad. It's what the law was producing in me. It caused me to try and do it in my own strength. He says and goes on through what is good so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. In other words, he's saying sin was using the commandment, was using the law to work through the law and cause me to sin as well. Then in verse 14, for we know That the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under the law. That means, that's Paul saying it's not the law's fault. It's my fault. I'm doing it wrong. I've got it mixed up. Verse 15, this is one of the most uh, well-known verses in Scripture. Paul says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. I love this verse. This is Paul who's one of the most well-known authors in the New Testament. And he's saying, the problem that I have is the things that I know are right and the things that I want to do, I'm not doing. And the things that I know are wrong and the things that I don't want to do, they're the things that I keep doing. If there's ever a verse that makes you feel like you're doing okay, that's a verse right there. That's, that's something, if we're going to be honest, we're like, that makes us all, that causes us all to take a big sigh of relief and say, well, maybe I'm not screwing up that bad. If Paul's saying, you know what, I'm finding it hard to do the right thing sometimes. I want to talk to you about this topic. And I want to tell you, and I want to title it just real simply, this thought, I've got a grace for that. I've got a grace for that because you have to understand what God's grace is. That God's grace does not work. It's not counter. It doesn't work against the law. It actually works with the law. That God's grace and the law go together. That God's grace does not erase the law and the law doesn't happen, cannot happen without God's grace. It's not one or the other. It's both altogether. That's why Jesus said, I do not come to condemn, to forget, to to nullify the law. I came to fulfil the law. And you have to understand that God has called us to live as Christians, to live righteous lives, holy lives, set apart. That's what the law was all about. It was about living in a way that was sanctified. But when you understand what the law is calling us to and understand who we are in our fleshly selves, you know that we cannot do it on our own. And that's where grace comes in. Grace comes to empower you to do what God is calling you to do. But we have to begin with an understanding of really what the law was. The law was important. The law was a way of setting them apart. The law was a a way of distinguishing His people. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6, it says, Who also... Made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter or of the law, but of the spirit. When it says spirit, it's talking of Christ's spirit. For the letter or the law kills, but the spirit gives life. The law was the standard of holiness and grace is the empowerment to live it. The thing about the law, what happened with the law or what happened with with the old testament law was it became the pharisees took it they 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 hijacked if you like the law and they made the law turn the law into religion turned the law into works turned the law into legalism the thing about the law one of the things that I wrote down about the law is the law is about what you do in action but grace is about who you are in Jesus Now, understand when I say that, what the problem when we make a statement like that, we say the law is all about what you do, but Jesus is all about who you are. Don't throw out what you do. It's not that we erase what you do. It's first that you have to have a revelation firstly of who you are. And when you get a revelation of who you are, that will affect what you do. That it's understanding the law. What the law tries to do is, the law will try and work from the outside in. But Jesus works from the inside out. The law is all about behaviour modification. But Jesus is all about heart transformation because He knows that if I can transform your heart, the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak, which means out of what's in your heart will come your actions. If I want to transform your actions, all I have to do is touch your heart and your actions will follow. This is a message that we've got to get to people when people get saved. The problem is in churches, we have this pretty picture of what we think a Christian needs to look like. So when someone comes into church and they get saved and they're drug addicted and they're a smoker and they're sleeping around and they're living with their girlfriend and they're crazy and they're living wild, they come down, they get saved and our religious mindset wants to grab that person and break them down and say, right, get rid of the cigarettes, move out of with, living with your girlfriend, don't do this, don't do this. Don't do that. Start dressing like this. Start acting like that. And the problem is we have just bypassed the first step that's actually going to empower them to do all of these things. We want them and we know that they need to be out working. What you need to do is when someone gets saved, yes, they're living in sin. Yes, maybe he's sleeping with his girlfriend. But before I start to preach to him about getting rid of his girlfriend and not sleeping with your girlfriend, I need him to get a revelation of who he is as a son or daughter of God. Start walking that out. And then guess what? I guarantee he's going to get a revelation. And I won't have to tell him to do that. The Holy Spirit will tell him because he got to deposit it in his heart and in his spirit. It's a revelation, it's a revelation of who you are. And what I have, what happens is I think in church too often we are running around trying to get everything right. We're running around, trying not to do this, try not to say that, try not to act like that. Let me tell you something. If you are repeatedly doing the same sin over and over again, the problem is not trying to stop sinning. The problem is getting a revelation, a great revelation of who you are in Jesus Christ. I've had in doing youth ministry for years and years, Prior to coming here, I would have parents and, and mothers especially would come up to me and say, I need you to pray. Will you pray for my daughter? She keeps bringing home idiots. She said, I can't, I can't work it out. Every dude, she's always getting mixed up with idiot dudes, deadbeat guys, guys that don't look after her. She's always settling. Why is she settling for these idiot dudes? And they would say, all she needs, I'm praying that she would just get a good man of God. And I would say, listen, let me me correct you real quickly. She doesn't need a good man of God right now. That's going to come eventually. But there's a deeper issue. If she keeps bringing home deadbeat guys and there's a problem and she doesn't have a revelation of who she is in Christ Jesus. And the problem is she doesn't see herself as a daughter of God. Therefore, she's not choosing someone who sees himself as a son of God. She sees herself as less than. So she's choosing someone that's on the same level that she sees herself as on. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what we see when people come out of a lifestyle. People come out of a lifestyle of sin. We all have come out of a lifestyle of sin. People that have gone through craziness. People that have you know, messed up and, and, and just lived a crazy, addicted, crazy, messed up life. And then they get saved. And they think because of their background that they cannot believe for God's best. They think you think because of your background that you have to accept a watered down version of God's perfect choice for your life. The moment you start believing that, you nullify what Jesus Christ did on the cross because my Bible tells me He paid it all on the cross. My Bible tells me that He separated you from your past. And when you get a revelation of who you are, it'll transform what you do when we go when we when we fast we do the fast every january and uh, you know I, I do the fast and and every time i start doing the fast in january i drop a lot of weight real quickly praise jesus for that i put it straight back on but that's okay and every time we go fast so what i will do is Um, You know, during the fast, often, you know, like before I fast, I'll be like my my, my, um, clothing size, I'll be like a, I mean, I don't don't know, like in pants, I'll be like a 34 or something before I fast. When I fast, I drop right real fast. and, And so I'll drop down like, you know, three different pants size, right? But I'll be shopping, and and you know I'll be I'll be in the stores shopping buying clothes, and, and the, the, the salesperson will will come up and and they'll uh, you know they'll say what size do you need? So if I'm buying pants or whatever, I'll say, oh, can you get me a size thirty-four? And they'll go and they'll get me a thirty-four, and I'll go in the dressing room and I'll put on a, a thirty-four. The problem is that when I put it on. I realise that 34 doesn't fit me as far too big for me because I've lost all this weight. What I'm doing is I'm choosing something not based on where I'm at right now, but based on what I used to be. And that's the problem when people get saved is they don't get a revelation of now through the blood and grace of Jesus Christ of who you are right now. And you start making decisions, not who you are right now, saved, sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. But you're making decisions based on who you used to be and you're choosing second rate things for your life. When you need to get a revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus and start choosing things for your life that are on that level. How do you walk in the holiness and the purity that God has called you to walk in? You first need to have a revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus. It's not just when I'm talking about walking in purity and walking in holiness. Anything when it comes to what I'm talking about is really the fullness of what God has for you. Do you know that God, and we've talked about it a lot in this church, God has called you to be blessed. But how do you walk in blessing? There's a grace for that. God did it on the cross. How do you walk in blessing? You get a revelation of who you are in Jesus Christ. And when you get a revelation of who you are in Jesus Christ as a son or daughter of God, you understand, you know what? I don't have to strive for blessing. It's not bad to accept blessing. It's not bad to receive blessing because I'm a son or daughter of God. So I deserve blessing as an heir to the throne. When you get that revelation, blessing will follow. But you've got to realize there's a grace to be blessed. When you understand that God has called you to be healed, it's the same thing. You understand, you know what? God has done it. When you understand that there's a grace for healing, the Word of God says that by His stripes, we are healed. You understand who you are as a child of God with access to the throne through Jesus Christ. You have access to the blood of Jesus Christ. You can grab that. You don't have to strive, work, strive and earn it. Stir it up to walk in. It's a grace. This is a powerful principle that if you can get in your life and plant it in your heart, it will transform how you operate. Grace is a powerful thing. Grace is how we it unlocks God's power in your life. Because we don't earn His power. We don't strive for it. We have to understand what grace is. Grace is simply receiving what Jesus Christ has did on the cross as finished, as done for our lives. The other thing that happens is the law speaks to our head. Grace engages your heart. The law is trying to tell you things, speak things to your understanding. Grace wants to deposit something in your heart. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, he says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. For those who love Him. But God has, look at this, revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. You cannot understand. You cannot wrap your head around what God wants to do in and through your life. But that's something that we need to get excited about. I am so glad that my infinite, finite, rather brain, human brain and thinking cannot contain how good and how big my God is. Because if I could understand God, that would mean that God is the same size as me. But because God is so much greater, see what happens is so many Christians, I think, get off track Because we're so busy trying and we get frustrated trying to take an all-powerful, all-knowing, supernatural God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and we are trying to package Him in our human thinking and understanding and logic. You cannot do it. That's why He says that it is something that is deposited. It is something that is, the Word is revealed to them through the Spirit. That's why we have to this is speaking of the spirit of God the holy spirit bringing that spirit of revelation into our lives that's why we have so that's why it's so powerful that we have these encounters With the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you had an encounter with God? When was the last time you sensed the Holy Spirit? When was the last time the Holy Spirit deposited something in your heart that changed your life? Something that spoke to you. See, we miss it so much because we're so busy trying to make sense of everything in our thinking. He wants to deposit something in our heart. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, These things we also speak not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. but the nat- Look at this, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. It's foolishness to our thinking. And could it be that we're throwing off something, thinking and talking about it like it's foolishness, just because it doesn't make sense to our human thinking. And God's not trying to speak to our thinking. He's trying to engage our heart. God wants to deposit something of the grace of God, a revelation of God's grace into our hearts. The law weighs heavy on us. But grace says my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The weight of the law. But understand that there is a weight. When Jesus says my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There is still a burden. That what happens is sometimes with the grace movement, we talk about grace and we talk about the yoke being easy, the burden being light, and we throw all... Everything out the window in the sense of say, well, it's always going to be nice and easy. And if it's not easy, then it's not God. No, understand there is a burden to live in righteousness and to live holy and to live pure. God will empower you to do it, but it's still a burden that you carry. Paul says, I take up my cross daily. In Romans 6.18, he talks about being a slave of righteousness. God, yes, by His grace will empower you, but understand there's still a burden that we carry, but we're equipped and empowered to carry it. This is a message that we need to get to a lot of young people nowadays with the grace movement that's going out there. There's this mindset that it's all under the blood and I can just do whatever sort of feels good and it's all okay as long as I show up at church on Sunday. You've got to understand no, there's a burden that you carry. It's not always easy living right. I said in the last service, Caressa and I, we got married. Caressa and I made a decision. It was difficult. It was hard, but we made a decision that the both of us, we were going to save ourselves for marriage. That was difficult for Caressa. Come on, somebody. (laughs) That's funny. But let me tell you something, listen, I'm not trying, but you know, sometimes, guess what? I didn't feel like doing that. Do we want to be honest at church on a Sunday night? Sometimes. You know what? It didn't feel, you know, natural not to do that. And the message was saying, no, it's fine. It's all under the blood. Yeah, it is under the blood. But understand, when you deviate from the Word of God, it's under the blood and there is grace, but there are also consequences. You step outside of the Word of God and you step outside of the covering of God, what you do is you open up a door to the enemy into your life, into your marriage into your relationships people sit down and say will you talk with us about them one of the first things if a couple wants to talk is I'll sit down and say are you married no we're not married are you sleeping together Because I'm not getting into, don't talk to me about how you can get along better when you've got a door wide open to the devil to come in and do whatever the heck he wants to do. And you've given him permission to do that because you've opened yourself up to a curse over your relationship and what you're trying to walk in. It's not God's fault. He laid out the law, but we deviated from the law under the blanket of grace you got to understand, man, these are guidelines and there's protection there. There's covering there. But God, but listen, man, it's a weight. It's a weight. It's a burden that you carry and each day. You say, God, give me a grace for this. Anything that God has called you to walk in, He's also given you a grace for anything that God has called you to walk in. In fact, he loves it. That's part of how he keeps us so connected with him. Is he constantly calls us to walk in something that we can't do on the natural. So it causes us to constantly keep one arm on him as we're walking out what he's called us to walk in because we need his strength to do it. We say, God, would you empower me to do this? God, would you strengthen me? But understand that it is a burden. It's a burden that we carry. It's understanding that God will empower you by his spirit. One of the greatest verses that, that uh, I love in the Bible is Zechariah 4 verse 6, where it says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And something I've felt God, you know, speak into my life in the last few weeks, and I wanted, and I've been declaring it over our church and, and over each each one of you as well, that we're about to step in as a church, you're about and individuals, you're about to step into a season of ease for your life you're about to step in where things were difficult and a struggle it's now got the holy spirit is going to come and there is about to be a supernatural ease a supernatural flow if anyone wants to receive it you can receive that for your life that you're about to step out of striving and step out of struggle and step out of battle and step into a season of ease when God spoke that word to Zechariah, He gave, that was a word through Zechariah to Zerubbabel in regard to rebuilding the temple. And He gave him this vision. And in Zechariah 4 verse 2, it said, and He said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at the left. This was the picture that the Lord gave him. The picture is of a lampstand, as it says, with seven lampstands. And on the top of each, how they would do it on the top of each lampstand is a little bowl that would hold or contain the oil. In the oil, there would be a little wick that they would light. As long as there was oil in the lamp, the wick could keep burning. And they have beside, the, in the picture, beside the lampstand, there is an olive tree either side that would hang over the lampstands. The olive tree is where they get the oil from. What this picture is talking about is it's talking about continual provision, a continual flow of power, a continual flow of strength. So the oil would continue to come out of the tree and fill these oil pots so the, so the fire could continue to burn. That's when God spoke and said, it's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by my spirit. And I believe God, as we step in as a church and we keep walking in this season of breakthrough for our church, that that breakthrough is not just for us as a church corporately, but it's for you as an individual that God is breaking you through into new ground and new territory. And it's gonna be an ease what you used to have to fight for. God is about to fight for you. And the Holy Spirit is about to anoint you to step into new ground and new territory for your life. Someone thank the Lord for His empowering strength in your life. Come on, you're about to step into an ease in the Spirit. You're not going to have to fight anymore because the battle's been won for you. You don't have to do it in your strength. You do it in the grace, in the grace of God. Tell someone I've got a grace for that. You've got to remind yourself there is nothing, nothing that is about to come your way that God has not given you a grace for. I don't know, I don't listen, and some of you are facing crazy things. I don't care how big it is, how much hell is in it, how how far, how how far, how far against it you feel and how difficult and how much of a struggle, God has given you a grace for it. Otherwise, if there was no grace that would cover it, that would mean that Jesus did not do everything completed on the cross. That's what He's talking about. When He says, when we say that everything, He did it all on the cross. That means through the cross of Jesus Christ, you have a grace to walk through any obstacle in your life and God will give you grace. Problem is that we do it in our own strength. We get hit. We get hit out of of left field. Something we didn't expect. Something we didn't plan on. The finances getting dried up and we didn't think it was going to happen like that. The marriage getting hit out of left field and it gets us, it rattles us, gets us off track. And when we get off track, we start trying to do it in our own strength. When we get off track, we start trying to fight it in the natural we get frustrated, we get overwhelmed, we get anxious, we get stressed, we get fearful, we get in doubt and unbelief, we, whatever it is, what we have to do is we have to be reminded that, that whatever it is, if it's come across your path, there's a grace for it. God's done it on the cross. You've just got to access, you've got to position yourself to a place that you can walk in His strength and not yours. The, but the word continued after the, he says, "Not by might nor by power." In verse seven, he says, "Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. You shall become flat." God is going to empower you. Because how many know we can face a mountain at times? We can face difficult circumstances, but when you, when you are walking in the grace that God has provided for you through the cross of Jesus Christ, your mountains will become a plain. Your difficulties will not hold you back. When do we all, the only time we walk into feet is when we're trying to do it on our own. Business person. I wrote this down as well. I had it on my heart for students. Students studying, students trying to work out what they're called to do. You're about to step into a season of ease. A season of walking in God's grace. A season of greater revelation at what God has called you to. The guidelines or the law is about us fighting, fight to win. Grace is about being empowered for the victory that's already won. Matthew 11 verse 12 uh, is a verse where he says the uh, kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. See, the victory that's already won does not cancel out the fight that we still have to fight. But it, the Bible talks about fighting, fight the good fight. There's a fight that we can get caught up in fighting. That's a bad fight. It's useless. It's it's. It's not helpful, it's not beneficial. There's a good fight that you fight. And the good fight is when you fight not in your own strength, but in God's strength. How do you fight the good fight? You fight the good fight through prayer. We got we gotta know what it is. And when you when you pray, even even in prayer, prayer can be something that sometimes we can do prayer in our own strength. There's a difference. When you get, when, when the grace of God, when you position yourself under the grace of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, the Spirit, it'll, it'll, it'll give you a, it'll empower you actually even to pray. You'll start getting it. You'll start getting a fight in your spirit. And I've had to pray for some things in my life and war against some things in my life. Yes, there's grace. Yes, the battle's won. What I, what I found is it's not that we're fighting. This is what I wrote down. He has won the victory, but sometimes it's a fight to walk in that victory that's already been won. Does that make sense? It's not that you're fighting to win the victory. I find that sometimes you've got to fight to walk in that victory that Jesus has won. Sometimes it's that battle to get your flesh to submit and come under that covering. Sometimes it's that difficult time. But I want to tell you, when you make a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to fight the good fight. Empowered by the grace of God. The Last thing, real quick, and then we're going to do communion together. The guidelines are all about a list to follow. But grace is about a saviour to love. Caressa's birthday was on Thursday. Thursday just gone. Everyone buy her a present. Don't get her a present. Give her money. Then that benefits me as well. I'm joking. Something like that. it. Is her birthday on Thursday? And um, and uh, you know I was preparing. We, we got a newborn son. He's forty. It'll be fourteen weeks on Tuesday. And so, uh, so you know, your, your whole life changed. Like, you celebrate differently. Like, before we could, like, go to dinner or go away for a night or something. That's just not going to happen now. But um, just how, you know, it's different. So I'm trying to think, like, you know, what we could, what we could do or how we could celebrate a birthday. I knew, like, all of the different things. Husbands, it's hard sometimes, you know. You're, like, you're trying to remember. I mean, there's, like, anniversaries. And then, like, my wife, I think we celebrate, like, 10 different anniversaries, Do you know, anyone know what I'm talking about? We don't just celebrate the wedding day. It's like the day we first met, then the first date we went on, then the first phone call we had, then the first, you know, and you're like, oh my God, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's so confusing. But there's all of these. So how many know that when you're you're trying to, to, you know, um, prepare with something like that, it's, it's almost like in your mind, you have a list, don't you, of of what you got to make, you know, i got to make sure I, I gotta get, I'm going to get her a card. Um, and, and you know, from places she likes. And I, I know the type of flowers she likes. So I need to get her these flowers. And, and I need to find work out, either book dinner or whatever we're going to do, where we're going to go for dinner. But then I make, need to make sure that there is a, you know, then you make sure I get her a good gift. And there is a list. But how many know that when you're in love with someone, You don't see the list before you're empowered by the love. Can you imagine if for my wife, it was, I've just got, I've got to do this, this and this, because that's what you do when it's your wife's birthday. You get your wife flowers, you get your wife a card, you get her a gift, you book somewhere nice. This is what I have to do. See, that would be operating in the law. But when I understand and get lost and caught up in the love, the love will empower me to do the law. Because how many wives know that it would not be enough if my wife woke up the morning of her birthday and I stood there and I said, baby, I love you. And that's the gift I have for you. Come on, husbands, it'd be a lot cheaper, that's for sure. My gift for you. I tried this once, didn't go. I did it like as a joke and I'm always messing around with her. So now she's not sure when I'm serious. But I said, baby, my gift for you is this. (laughs) I was going to say something, but I won't. I split the church. But how many know like, I mean, sweet, my wife's going to be like, I mean, cool. I like that you like, love me, but I like it even more when that love for me is outworked through actions. It's the same in our walk with God. We got people saying, Jesus, I love you. The Bible says, if you love me, you'll do what I'm telling you to do. We have people in church saying, God, God, I love you, but I'm I'm, I'm still going to sleep with my girlfriend. I'm still going to lie and cheat and steal. And I'm still going to talk like this and act like this. But I love you. And God says, man, come on. It's time for that love to start to produce action. But then on the flip side, we have people over here that have got the list. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. And God saying, man, come on. Where's the heart? Where's the heart in all the actions? Grace and the law, they go together. Grace and the law, one empowers the other. Don't throw the law out. It's protection, it's covering. But you can't do it without the grace of God. And right across this room, I don't know how you came here.